The following is a production of Government CIO Media. Hello and welcome to GovCast. My name is Amanda Ziede, your host and reporter with Government CIO Media. Today we have Marcy Jacobs. She's the executive director of the U.S. Digital Service Team at VA. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. So you've had quite the year. You won a Service to America Medal for Management Excellence Award for you and your team's work at the VA. And there's a really exciting launch on Veterans Day. But first, we'll get to that. First, I want to talk about you. So did you go to college for anything technology, design, product management related? Any of the technology when I went to college wouldn't probably be super relevant right now. But what I studied in school was actually fine arts and psychology. I did a double major at GW right around the corner from here. So I studied visual design, graphic design, and I studied clinical psychology. And then I went to graduate school, actually, for a Ph.D. in clinical psychology. And the Internet started becoming much more than just email. And after I finished my master's, I kind of was really fascinated with the power of the Internet and cognition and perception and how people process information and moved more into that space as a web designer originally. And then I got really interested in information architecture and how do we present information to people and make sure that what we're presenting really aligns with people's tasks and what they're trying to learn, which evolved over the last 20 plus years into user experience and user interface design. So you never did anything with psychology? It's amazing how much it still comes in handy. I learned a lot of statistics and a lot of analysis tools and research methods, which actually have been very helpful, but uh, never practiced clinical psychology. You mentioned how cool technology seemed to you at the time. Was working in government, was that ever on your mind? No, not at all. And actually, the job that I had before joining USDS was as a government contractor. And even for the 15 years that I was running a design practice, it never occurred to me to join the government and to be a government employee. It was only when I was approached by USDS and had some conversations with some of the leadership team there, I met someone for coffee and we had like a two-hour, very in-depth conversation that I didn't realize was actually an interview. I was fascinated by the types of problems that USDS was working on And the ability to have impact at such a high level, I think what was frustrating to me as a contractor was you're really responding to the ask. And if the ask isn't good, you're still responding to the ask and then you try to shape it into something better. What excited me about USDS was being able to have a conversation with leadership of an agency, have conversations with the White House and really be able to shape that ask into something that truly gets the value and helps really support the mission. Just to go back a little bit, you worked for 15 years in web design. I worked for 15 years running a user experience and design practice. How did you see that transform in 15 years? It seems like a pivotal moment for the advancement of technology in general. Yeah, it's amazing. When I first joined that company, I was explaining to everybody what is information architecture and what is user experience and how do you design information for the people who have a question? Because nobody comes to a government website to read or to just browse around. They're coming because they have a task. So I was always in the government space, but on the contractor side and really was, I think, for the last 15, 20 years have been pitching the importance of design and how design helps to ensure that you're solving the right problem. What's been really interesting is seeing that evolution from the time that I was in the contractor space and really what's happening right now with the presidential management agenda and with the circular A11 and the CX cap goal, it's like there's all this attention right now on customer experience and the importance of customer experience and really thinking about 
who are we building things for and how do we make sure that we are getting the value out of what we're investing in technology and really moving away from this, if we build it, they will come model, which doesn't actually work. You didn't find USDS, they found you? Right. So I actually had a previous professional relationship with someone who was consulting for USDS, helping to find design talent. And I talked to him just to understand what he was doing. And he then connected me with someone who was at USDS. And we had a great conversation. I still was not at all interested. I was curious, but I wasn't really thinking about it for myself. And then I was encouraged to apply, which I did. Wound up having a lot of conversations, including a breakfast at the Navy mess with Todd Park and my family, which was super inspiring and made me really think about what is possible if I take this position and if I move into this space, what would I have the ability to influence and what's the scale of impact that I would be able to have, which was really what was compelling about it. I've heard Todd Park speak at events a few years ago. What did he say? Anything in particular that really resonated with you? So at the time, the project that I was going to be working on was the gun background check system for the FBI. And like my kids were there. We we're having this super fancy breakfast in the White House. And he's talking to my kids about how their mom is going to save people's lives. And I mean, it was just so Todd Park inspiring. Right. <laughs> and, you know, we left the breakfast. It was still crazy early in the morning. And my son was nine at the time, looks at me and goes, Mommy, you have to take this job. And once your kid tells you you had to take a job. Yeah. <laughs> and it was like the expectation was that there was going to be a ton of travel and I was going to be gone a few days a week. And I was really kind of agonizing over that. But it was also right after Sandy Hook. Mm -hmm. And there were a lot of reasons why for me it felt like I needed to step up and do more if I could do more. I'm still sad that I didn't get to work on that project because as soon as I joined, the recommendations that we had sent forward went to the FBI and they implemented some of them, but we didn't stay involved in that project. But I've also had the opportunity, because that project didn't happen beyond that time period, to work at, I think, nine different agencies before I joined the VA, some of which for like a short period of time to help with a two-week discovery sprint, some for much longer. I was at actually Department of Justice working on interoperability and sharing data across lots of different federal agencies and parts of Department of Justice to help with recidivism and reentry outcomes for federal prisoners. So I've seen lots of different types of projects at USDS and gotten to participate in a lot of areas. And then when the VA team leadership left after the election, the current USDS leadership asked me if I would go over there and see what needed help. I didn't realize you had spent time at nine or so agencies before landing at VA. Did you have a particular passion for helping vets or did that kind of fall into your lap at a good moment for you? I have no previous experience with this population. Other than in my consulting world, I did a little bit of proposal writing, but mm -hmm. I really had not worked on any VA projects. And no one in my family, aside from reserve duty, has been involved in the military. So it's not like I have this long family history. Mm -hmm. That said, I have come into this space and learned about the types of problems and challenges that veterans have and that, honestly, that VA employees have in serving veterans. And it's just a fascinating area and somewhere where it's so nonpartisan, we can just be doing so much more and so much better. The VA has a big IT budget. That said, there's always never enough money, but there is a lot of opportunity to really do a better job with service. And I think everybody in IT and everybody really across the VA wants that to happen. Did you have any fears, reservations, confusions or doubt about taking the leap from this 15 year career in industry to government? 
I had all the fears and yeah. <laughs> and doubts and everything. In the 15 years that I'd been there, my job had changed a lot, but it was definitely a safety net and I was comfortable. And this was very uncomfortable for a lot of ways. I think that in the last almost three years since I've joined, I've now changed roles and changed teams nine plus times. So I've gotten comfortable with change. It was a big adjustment. It felt very risky at the time. It mm-hmm. also really felt risky not to do it. To have an opportunity to join something that powerful and special felt like if I didn't join USDS that I would regret that forever. It seems like there must have been some sort of transitional period from this agency to this agency to this project. How do you manage that sort of change, the big one from industry to government, and then the little ones along the way in these past three years? The big one from industry to government was definitely big. Like when I think about that, it's almost going from like no kids to one kid. That was a really big adjustment. It was just so different. The people that I worked with, the caliber of talent that I was working with, the way people thought about the types of problems that we were engaging on, just the culture in and of itself. I mean, I'd been in kind of this very corporate office with coffee and water and tea and food and all sorts of things and my own office. And now Mm -hmm. I'm sitting on a couch and there's no water There's a fridge that has beer in it and flavor (laughs) ice in the freezer. It was super different. It was also kind of cool to be able to be in D.C. and walk to things and not be out in like somewhere in Virginia where you drive everywhere and it's very kind of clinical. What was the most striking difference that you remember at the time? And was there a moment that made you feel at ease and comfortable? Maybe it was the people or I don't know, something you were working on or an experience that you felt this is my next step. It took a little while. Mm -hmm. I would say my first month, I was like, what have I gotten myself into? Partly because the project that I thought I'd be working on wasn't the project that I wound up working on. But everybody that I met was so welcoming and so smart. And it was very comfortable to ask questions, to learn about different. I was learning about IRS and I worked at CMS for a few months and all the teams were just fantastic. So it was out of my comfort zone, but the people were so great and supportive that I kind of quickly felt like I was in the right place. So you were a part of many teams before VA. How did it go from being a part of the teams to leading a team? After maybe three or four projects, I became the design director for USDS, and I was in that role for about 18 months. During that time, I led the team at DOJ, and then I led a small effort at IRS. So I'd had a little bit of team leadership or agency leadership experience with much smaller teams. When I came into VA, I think what was different there was really inheriting a team that was both large and very well underway, and there was no overlap. So the previous leadership had left in January. Someone was kind of bridging that gap until May. I think she and I maybe overlapped for a day or two. So there wasn't really a good handoff or transition. So I was kind of learning what is the VA, how is it structured, what is the team working on, who are all these people, what contracts do we have, what budget do we have, all of these different things, who are all the stakeholders, And trying to really make sense of that story before I did anything with regard to, are we on the right path? I just wanted to make sure that everybody felt stable and supported. And that was really the first probably four to six months was just getting everybody to feel like there's somebody who can help if they needed it. What is your leadership style? And was it accepted right away or did you have some challenges or barriers to cross? My leadership style is more of the servant leadership. So really just trying to empower and kind of detangle the environment for amazing talent to do their amazing work. I kind of see myself as the person who can be a bad cop if somebody needs a bad cop and I can escalate things if things need to be escalated. But I also really feel like my team is capable of handling problems and dealing with much of what comes up. 
There were people who had joined the team a long time ago who had been part of the older leadership, the previous leadership. And there was just so much change that I was just seen as yet another change. And that was a little bit hard. Um, that said, most of those people, I think, are very on board with where we're going right now. The people who came on after I came on didn't really have that history. So the fact that we have term limits and everybody turns over so frequently, it's like a constantly evolving team dynamic. Along with that, I want to talk about what you're doing at USDSVA now. What are you focusing on and how has it changed since your first days at VA till now? When I first came in, the team was very focused on migrating functionality from lots of other places, whether those were the benefits side or the health side, rebuilding and migrating that functionality onto the Vets.gov platform. And they had done a lot of that. And they had a roadmap of all the kind of features and tools that they wanted to rebuild from when I joined through the end of 2017. While I think that was a really good foundation, what we've kind of pivoted to more recently is how do we curate all of those tools into more of an experience? And what we've been able to build that went out this summer is kind of the personalized view of the tools and features. So the same way when you log into your bank, you see your information and you have the ability to log in. You don't just see general checking information on your bank. You see your stuff. That's been a piece that I think has kind of partially existed in some of the different silos. And we've been able to pull that together into one place so that you can see both your contact information and update it, which has just been a huge win in partnership with the Veteran Experience Office. Previously, your contact information lived in 87 places. And if you updated it, you updated it in one of those places Mm -hmm. and it didn't go anywhere else. So just exposing that information to a veteran and saying, update where you live If there's been a change and pushing that to the relevant places is such an easy thing to do on the surface, but such a hard thing to do at the VA with all these connected systems. The other part of personalization has been building in that transparency and showing people these are all the things that you are doing at the VA. These are your claim status. This is when your next doctor's appointment is. Your prescription refill is in the mail, kind of curating all of that together so that people actually have much more of a holistic experience. And there's a lot more that we want to add to that, but it's getting great traction. It's been out since, I think, July with almost no press, no discussion. And it's getting, I think, 60,000 visits a day. How do you work with your customer base being veterans and learn what exactly they need from these services digitally? There's a lot of ways that veterans are telling us what they need. And I think it's really up to us to listen to those different mechanisms. So some of that is where are they going online? What are they searching for? What are they doing on our sites? And we have a lot of them. What are they calling the contact centers about? What are they talking to people about when they come in person that maybe they would like to do online, but they can't figure out how? So how do we tap into all those different listening channels and put some strategy around Well, we didn't realize that the number two thing that people call about is changing their address. I would imagine most people want to be able to do in a self-service way, but if they can't figure out how to do in a self-service way, they're going to call, which means we're paying for somebody to answer the phone and to go into all these systems and manually do that. So in addition to providing a better customer experience, it also reduces a lot of call volume and a lot of cost. So what's launching on Veterans Day and why is this such a big deal for vets? The site that we want to SAMI for, the vets.gov site, is really based on the veteran perspective. How do we make it easy for veterans to understand the benefits that they have access to and then to apply for and manage those benefits in an easy, intuitive way? So getting away from PDF forms or printed forms that they have to fax in. 
all of the good stuff that we've been doing on vets.gov, we're going to be rolling into the main VA property, va.gov. And that has really come through a lot of research. The Veteran Experience Office did research with over 3,400 veterans, service members, caregivers, dependents, and VSOs to understand how do they make sense of this digital landscape. There are a lot of different sites, both on the VA and DOD side, that many people have to go to more than one site to understand the full kind of suite of benefits. And that doesn't make sense to people. And what we heard consistently was that VA.gov is the place that they trust to get this information. And what it seemed like was happening is that the benefits side kind of built their own thing. The health side built their own thing. We built another thing. There were all of these sites trying to fix the problem, but without really fixing the problem. So what we've done is really build a very collaborative team across the administrations with OPIA, with the Veteran Experience Office, to take a really hard look at VA.gov and transform that from more of a administration-focused site to much more of a veteran-focused site. So the goodness that exists in all of the different silos, whether that's vets.gov or the My Healthy Vet site or other places, to incorporate that into the place where most people are looking. Across all of the different sites, there are 10 million people a month who are coming to some VA property, and most of that traffic is going to va.gov. So we want to meet people where they're looking. So on Veterans Day, what can a vet expect when they go to VA.gov? When they go to VA.gov, they're going to have a very different experience that is really focused on the top tasks that veterans look for across all these different digital properties and a much more easy and intuitive way to get to that information. Also, the ability to log in from the homepage of a federal site is kind of a big deal. That isn't really something that exists anywhere, at least not from the homepage of the main property. So there's a lot more to come. This is a step in the direction of digital modernization. And I want to very clearly set the expectation that on Veterans Day, there will be a new site. But we have so much more work behind this in Mm -hmm. terms of really continuing to build the full service design of many of these tools and working with lots of partners to make sure that after somebody hits submit, they're still having a good experience. But we're making huge progress. And are those top tasks decided by what veterans want and also your experience in informational architecture? So the top tasks are really based on analytics. It's looking at what are people actually searching for and using across all the different properties. So it's what are people looking for on vets.gov, on eBenefits, on My Healthy Vet, on VA.gov, what are they searching for? And it really boiled down to 20 tasks are being used by 80% of the people. So that's what we want to make really easy to find and to connect the dots, because I think there are people who find the health tools and they kind of stay there and they don't know that maybe they're eligible for a home loan or the GI Bill. So we want to make sure that people understand the full suite of benefits and services that are available to them. It's not often that you see your work immediately impact a life or the work that it's supposed to happen, happen right away. How does that feel? And I know that you don't love talking about yourself, but winning an award for this is pretty awesome. It's a pretty awesome project. You know, I think everyone will see in a few weeks, but how does it feel to see the work you're doing directly impact and benefit people? I mean, I've had a few opportunities to actually talk to veterans and to either help them through an issue or to do some actual research with them. And it really is fascinating to see the types of problems and the types of challenges that people are dealing with and to know that we're working on tools to make that better is really given me hope and also shown me how much more we have to do. Like Mm -hmm. everything that we fix, there's more that we want to fix. But it's exciting to see how much we can actually impact people's lives. So is there already a list of tasks to be done 
going forward or are you waiting for the site to launch to get those analytics and see what to work on next? There's a list of problems that we are curious about that we have learned through some of those listening channels and through conversations and research and all the different ways that we talk to veterans and hear what they're looking for. There's also going to be a long tail of things post-launch that we're going to need to do that are much more tactical. So our goal in 2019 is to really start digging into some of these new areas, but that means that we need to wrap up some of the work that we're currently working on. So brand consolidation aside, is there something else, anything anything you can think of that you wish you could tackle for the VA in terms of digital services right now? There's two things that the team is really focused on that I'm really excited about. One is the transitioning service member experience. How do we really go as far back as we can into the DOD experience and connect the dots so that the transition from service member to veteran is much more holistic and that we truly guide people through this transition experience, which people go to this TAP program for a few weeks before they transition. And what we hear from veterans is that it's overwhelming and they don't really know what to pay attention to. And then they transition and they're a little bit lost. We know that the first one to two years post-transition is a high rate of suicide. It feels like there's more that we can do to support people who are transitioning and to really understand that experience. How could we use the profile that we've been building in the personalized dashboard as a tool to guide people through transition or to support them as they're gathering documents or whatever they're doing as they're leaving the military? So that's an area that we're interested in that we would like to do some discovery on and trying to find some space for that. Another area that we're working on right now from two different sides, we're working on modernizing the claims process. We're also working on modernizing the appeals process. And the two in terms of the VA structure and the VA administration are very disconnected. But in terms of the way a veteran thinks about it, it's I started my process of submitting a claim for my knee. I got an answer that I didn't agree with. Then I filed to appeal that. They see it all as one thing. So how do we make that process more transparent and more in line, at least from the way we present that information, more in line with the way the veteran thinks about it and less about how we're structured? Usually in USDS, your tour of duty is four years. Are you now in VA? Right. So I was hired into VA January of last year, which reset my clock. It's interesting that you say usually people's tours four years. Most people actually stay for about 18 months. So people can stay for up to four years. It's a two plus two model. But Typically, people stay around 18 months. We were talking earlier, the USDS, USDS itself is only four years old, so hasn't given much time for people to have full four-year terms or longer. Right. What is next for you after this tour of duty? Do you think you'd like to stay in government and continue this kind of work? That's Take a great in. question. I've started wondering about that myself, mm-hmm. but I also have two years left on my term. Right. So I am very much interested in somewhere where I can have the type of impact that I'm having. Mm -hmm. And I don't know where that will be possible not in government, but I'm not really thinking about it too much right now. It's interesting because earlier we talked about how helping veterans wasn't necessarily something on your mind early on in your life career wise Didn't come from a family of veterans or anything. Is there any passions that you do have outside of helping change digital services in government that you think you would like to pursue I've always been interested in the medical space. Mm -hmm. I used to volunteer at the Children's Inn in Bethesda on a monthly basis. I'm kind of, to some degree, open to helping really in any area of government or any population. I think that there's a lot of need and the process that we follow can be applied really to any group. I am particularly interested in vulnerable populations. So whether that is veterans or children or healthcare, that definitely interests me because I think the impact is significant. 
I did want to ask, why do you think it's important for people in industry to do a tour of duty or at least get their hands on some sort of government services work outside of just private sector? I think everybody relies on government services in some way or will. And I think it's really important for people to come and understand how it works and to bring their skills and expertise, even if they're coming for six months or a year. It's so powerful. And the ability to have such an impact is just not something that you're going to have in the private sector at most companies. So I would definitely encourage people who are thinking about it to come and try it and see if it's something that excites you. We've had a lot of people who have come for a three-month tour and then have stayed for another six months or another year because they didn't know what to expect and they didn't know if they were going to like it or not. And then potentially we've had a number of people who have left and then stayed in the civic tech space. The ability to impact mission and to impact tens of millions of people is powerful in a way that you don't really get in the private sector. Does your son still think your job is as cool as the original? Well, my son got to watch the Sammy speech on my nanny's phone, so he was very excited that that I said his name. He was like, she said my name. So both of my kids were very, very excited that I got this, you know, fancy award. But yeah, they think it's pretty cool. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Marcy. Thanks for having me. This week's episode is supported by Lumina. Lumina's mission is to use AI systems to protect the world. To learn more about Lumina, visit its website at luminaanalytics.com. So continuing with our theme here of GovCast guests kind of landing into their current positions, it's super fascinating to hear about Marcy's background of fine arts and psychology, which is really unique, and a 15-year career in web design that eventually placed her at USDS. And, you know, uncommonly enough, USDS came to her. They've only been around for four years, and they had so many applications come in when they first started. So what she said to be a two-hour coffee that she didn't realize was an interview and a really, really cool breakfast at the White House with Todd Park and her family. She landed at USDS and eventually is leading a team at VA that's really changing how veterans are using their digital services and those services themselves. From her experience in her former position and experience in general, seeing technology change and web design change, she's really able to bring her UX mindset and informational architecture experience to the table. And she talked about the cultural shift from industry to government. That's a really big one we see a lot with people, especially our guests, going from the private sector to government and the, the cultural change and the bureaucracy and the corporate landscape and government to you know USDS works out of a row home by the White House. She said she was sitting on couches and there were whiteboards. That experience, she said, was scary. It was definitely different. But still, she urges and recommends people in the private sector to do a tour of duty. You know, she said the changes that she sees happening are so worth it. And it's really inspiring to hear, to hear about her work and how it's making an immediate impact and different in veterans' lives. We're really excited to see where VA goes next and all the exciting things they have in the books. Thank you all for joining us today. Again, my name is Amanda Ziede, reporter with Government CIO Media. Be sure to follow us, talk to us on Twitter at GCIO Media, and subscribe to our podcast. We have a bunch of other episodes up. We'd love to hear your feedback. See you next time. Govcast is a production of Government CIO Media. It's produced and edited by Rob Ford. Our theme music is provided by Big Hoax. Our executive producer is Michael Hoffman. 
If you're interested in sponsoring GovCast, you can email Andy Andrews at randrews at governmentcio.com. Thank you.